Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Talking About Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Olinger, as always, joined by Sean Kennedy. And Sean, we're talking about the only thing that is on the people's minds right now. Your alma mater, Villanova, is in the Sweet 16. <laughs> I proved the doubters wrong. Uh, North Texas took out my final. I was a doubter. I was a hater. I put Purdue in the final four because I thought I watched Big Ten basketball all year and thought Travion Williams was awesome. They get beat by North Texas. Everyone thinks Villanova, after Colin Gillespie goes down, that they're going down to Winthrop. They handle Winthrop. They lay the smack down on North Texas. Now they're facing Baylor. Do you think they're making the final four, Sean? I don't. I think they played <laughs> great. And, you know, the way they rallied when Gillespie went out with that MCL injury and uh, Robinson Earl was terrific in their, their opening tournament win. And then it was just classic Villanova in the second game where if the threes are falling in that J-rate offense, there's really nothing the defense can do because he just trains them so well to move the ball around and find the open man. And they're a really unselfish team, as is often the case with uh, Villanova squads. So, yeah, uh, they, they've looked great. Um, I, I th- do think they're going to lose to Baylor. Baylor's an incredibly good team. So uh, no shame in losing uh, to a really good team in the Sweet 16 when your senior point guard leader is uh, out. So good good run from Nova. I'm excited to watch the game. Should be a good one. But, yeah, I do think the, the run's going to come to an end this weekend. Well, we now have it. It's now official. We have gone two minutes into a podcast that is about the NBA trade deadline without talking about the NBA. I'm proud of us. You know, when I, I sat down today, I, I didn't think we were going to talk about Villanova for a couple of minutes, but I'm happy to do it. Uh, but yeah, NBA trade deadline, we just uh, talked a little bit off air. It was a little quieter than I think Sixers fans might have expected from a, a, a Philadelphia perspective, but league-wide, there, there's a lot of moves that like from about noon to two o'clock, there was a really frantic period where there was a lot going on. It was, it was quieter in the sense that there was never the like, I mean, there were some big trades, but there was never like the loud gunshot trade. I mean, like, let's just say it, Kyle Lowry didn't get traded. The big thing we were all expecting to happen. So it yes, it was quieter in that sense, but in a weird way, it was more active than I've ever seen, at least from like an NBA Twitter community standpoint, because that last hour when we're hearing the reports that with 10 minutes left, like Windhorst is saying, the Raptors just told the Sixers, Heat, and Lakers, give us your last offer. Like, that is insane. If like, And like then it goes past three, but people are saying, oh, the deals can still be going on because they're on the phone call. Like, imagining that Masai Ujiri just has like four, like four phones with three like hour-long calls. They just won't hang up just to make – if he does hang up, that means that team's out of it. Like, all the – you know, it's very reminiscent of, like, trying to figure out what kind of soup J.R. Smith threw. Like, what is going <laughs> on? Like, like it was just – it was bizarre. But yeah. No, no it, Kyle it, Lowry in Philly. No, it, which, you know, are we going to are we gonna dive into that in full now or – Well, what were you going to say before that? I was just going to say that, you know, Twitter always uh, manages to surprise and delight. Um, I think the, the winner was Terrence Ross – uh, of the Orlando Magic, a- after about maybe a third of his teammates were sent away one by one, he he kept uh, bringing out some really great gifts. Uh, I didn't to... see this. Oh yeah, it was. You should check it out. Yeah, he was. 
he was, I, I think he was the player star of NBA Twitter trade deadline. Um, he was great. Uh, the best one was the, the, I am the captain now gif. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm seeing this now. Like, yeah. Oh, that is great. Yeah. He, he had some good stuff. Um, yeah. And you know, the NBA community is amazing on social media. I think it's what drives a lot of the interest in the league right now. Um, and definitely makes it a 24 seven, 365 talking point. Uh, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, especially if you're a Sixers fan and you believe as I do that they have a better team than they did at the start of the day. And I, I feel like it's good to, you know, have fun with this stuff and, have you see your team improve as well. So I'm, uh, I'm feeling good about this trade deadline day. Yeah. As Sean mentioned, you know I mean? You just mentioned that the Sixers might have a better team than they did at the start of the day. They did make a move the one that didn't like preclude them from going after Kyle Lowry, but did hint at them already. Like they were going to do something. So they did get this done. Prob- I can't remember say, I think it happened while I went for a run, like at the around noon, which I was just expecting maybe to come back and something would have been set on fire. And there was nothing too big, but the um, Sixers, so I have it all written out here. The Sixers sent out Tony Bradley in two second round picks in 2025 and 2026 to the Oklahoma City Thunder. They also traded Terrence Ferguson, good, to the Knicks. The Knicks sent Austin Rivers to the Thunder. And in return for all this, the Sixers got George Hill, the centerpiece of the trade, as well as Ignas Brazdakis from the Knicks. And, you're, missing, yeah. you're, you're missing a couple pieces. Oh, what am I? <laughs> they also sent uh, Vincent Poyer. Your oh, boy. yeah. I, I'm so sad to see that because then he got waves. Yeah. And, and also the, their own 2021 second round pick went to New York. I wrote this all out. I don't know. My notes are messy. Not bad. Yeah, that was that. What you described what was what we thought was the original deal, and then uh, a little bit of additional details came out a few minutes later. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously, the main parts of this trade are the Sixers getting George Hill and the Thunder getting Tony Bradley. I would say, and I guess Austin Rivers going to the Thunder as well. I'm not exactly sure what the Knicks are doing. I guess they wanted off of Austin Rivers' money or something. I, I'm a little. Well, uh, I mean, they they picked up, they picked up pieces, you know, some draft capital Terrence, for for nothing essentially. Like, I mean, Terrence Ferguson is no, like he's not he's not going to help you at all. I, but, I don't know what else to say there. Oh, they got the second round pick. Sure. Okay. Fine. But uh, yeah, George Hill, George Hill now a sixer, someone who's long been like thought of as a Sixers target just because, you know, you know, we think about trading for him last off season. A lot of Sixers fans were obviously getting him. Now we know what he is in terms of like, just he hits a lot of threes and he can run a pick and roll. That's basically what they, some of the things that Sixers could use. We talk about all the time, how in the bench lineup, it feels like if Tobias Harris isn't out there and it's all, it's the entire bench. Shake Milton's the only one who can dribble and that can become a problem. George Hill kind of helps with that. George Hill can also easily slot in with the starters. We've seen all year how the Sixers' best lineup has been the four, four starters plus Shake Milton and for Danny Green. So, I mean, you could probably slot George Hill right into that Shake Milton role too if you think he might be a little bit better and have some success there. But, I mean, and I mean, not giving up a ton, obviously, to get a guy who is a lot older, not a star by any sense, but like is a solid piece. It, although it does hurt to give, it hurts emotionally to give up Tony Bradley because it, it was just fun to see how he, the last two weeks he really picked up like 
that Tuesday night game against the Warriors, he owned James Wiseman. He was just flat out stronger than him inside. Yeah, he he's been playing great for sure. It's it's kind of interesting, I, and I and I wrote about this on uh, my kind of instant analysis of the deal. It's Tony Bradley was he's a help really he turned into a helpful player, and especially during the regular season where you know Embiid, you know he's injured right now, and that is obviously something you always have to take into account as he seems to pick up these, if not a major injury, a one or two minor injuries over the course of a season. And you want to get him his rest days every once in a while as well to keep him fresh. So having a guy like Bradley, who it's something Doc Rivers has mentioned and credited him with, he's a third string guy who will go a couple weeks at a time without playing, but then suddenly, Oh, we're going to rest you well. So now you're the starter completely different role. You haven't been playing and he just steps in and uh, kind of the consummate professional and does a good job. So, so you're losing that during the regular season and the Sixers are really thin at center. Now um, I'm interested to see if anything comes into the buyout market um, because with them beat out, they only have to wait. Howard is only their nominal center. And we're going to see some probably Mike Scott at the five and maybe some Ben Simmons at the five in the short term. Um, so how the regular, how dare you not mention Paul Reed? <laughs> yeah, we could see some, some small B-ball Paul at the five. I, I uh, need, I need it tonight. But the, it's the only thing that I'll make that game against the like starless Lakers, the Lakers and Sixers game tonight that we're recording this at seven thirty PM on Thursday. It's the game tips off at 10. That game is going to be whack. It is going yeah. to be bizarre. And I, it will be so much more watchable if Paul Reed is playing. Yeah, I know a lot of Sixers fans are definitely hoping for that. Um, it it would have been interesting if the Lakers had made the uh, the Lowry deal and had had to. Oh no! If the the Lakers had made the Lowry deal, I would have petitioned for us to fold the dollars. <laughs> just it would have been over. <laughs> I, oh, I, I didn't really. I mean, I, well, you, I were, you, were you like were you dead set on the Sixers getting Lowry? Was that... I wasn't dead set as much as I just was dead set on him not being with the Lakers because that would have been so annoying. Like, yeah. I, I just I get... like the Lakers have, I don't know. It just, you, you kind of hope when it's your team and obviously the Sixers in no way are a small market team, but it just gets annoying when the player you're going after suddenly you see a team like the Lakers, the team of in the sports, just trying to go after him and you thinking they might have a chance to get him. So I would have, I would have been perturbed if Lowry had ended up on the Lakers. Like I think AU who we had on the pod last week, he'd, tweeted out like his five like scenario rankings right after it happened which was Sixers trade for Kyle Lowry two Kyle Lowry gets traded nowhere three the Sixers give up trade for Lowry but give up too much and then big drop off four Lowry gets traded to the Heat five Lowry gets traded to the Lakers and I kind of vibe with all of that that's like you know it's almost like as long as it sucks that we didn't get him but at least no one else got him either yeah I not sure quite what Toronto was doing. Uh, I would, I, I know they can resign him now, but yeah, they're not playing for this year really. And they, they were getting, they made a ton of trades to get like Norm Powell went to Portland for Gary <laughs> Trent and Rodney Hood, Terrence Davis to the Kings for a second round pick, Matt Thomas to the Jazz for a second round pick, just shuttering out rotation pieces. Even if they think that maybe turning Norm Powell to Gary Trent and Rodney Hood might be an upgrade because those are two rotation guys, especially. Like Gary, I like Gary Trent a lot. I also like Norman Powell a lot, but I like Gary Trent a lot. I can I can see the logic in that move, but it was just very clearly 
everything that day had been building towards like everything the last 24 hours from Kyle Lowry throwing up the deuce when he left off the court to getting rid of these like clearing out roster spots. It was kind of all leading to, we thought, Oh, here is the Lowry trade. The Raptors are officially throwing it in. And then it just didn't happen. And I mean, it feels like the Sixers were the closest. I want to say maybe the heat, there was the heat in the Lakers discussion that Shams tweeted out about how, the Lakers were reluctant to put in Taylor Horton Tucker into whatever three-team deal they were working on. The Heat were reluctant to throw in Tyler Hero. And for the Sixers, it, I mean, the general like gist of it was that the Raptors wanted Maxi and Thibault and two first-round picks. And this Daryl Morey was basically like, you know, Lowry's great, but that's a little too much. It seemed like Toronto was – I mean, they were obviously comfortable calling other teams bluff, but they were over-asking and – if it didn't go their way, they, they really didn't care if they got stuck holding their hand. And that is what ended up happening. So um, I'm not sure if if they had a mulligan, Masai Ujiri would do it differently. Um, but if what they were asking for was legitimately the, in the ballpark of what they wanted from the Sixers and, and they weren't willing to come down from, from that, then yeah, I, I totally understand why Daryl Murray didn't do the deal that was crazy what they were asking um yeah i was just going to say if yeah i i I didn't want lowry to go to lakers either i was going to say if they had done that deal and had to kind of excise a quarter of their roster tonight that it would have been even even tougher viewing (laughs) that's all i i wanted to say if like if schroeder and harrell and uh you know maybe horton ducker hadn't been playing tonight it would have really been bare bones um but yeah, it's. Uh, I'm surprised Toronto did that. And from the Sixers' perspective, just looking at the postseason is is where I think this is really going to help them. Um, they might lose a game or two as a result of this trade in the regular season, just because of the the big man depth that they've lost. But Tony Bradley wasn't going to be a guy that was in the playoff rotation. It, it didn't seem like there was any chance Doc was going away from Dwight as the backup five to Joel to play that 10 to 12 minutes per game as the backup center. Um, So then if Tony doesn't have a role and you can upgrade him to a guy like Hill who fits what you want to do on offense, he can play on or off the ball, spot up threes around Sims and Embiid. And then as you mentioned, he can help shake with the ball handling and creation responsibilities with that second unit. And then defensively, he's a guy that, you know, he's pretty good size for a guard at six four. He's good wingspan at uh, six foot nine wingspan, and he can he, he he's a, a solid switchable defender and a ton of playoff experience. He's he's been with five different teams that have reached the postseason in his career, and even though he's a he's a vet and you know in his thirties, he still looked really good the last two postseasons with Milwaukee. Um, I said in a pod back when we were talking about trade prospects uh, a couple weeks ago that I thought Hill was their third best player in the playoffs last year. Um, he, he looked really good. So I, I don't feel like he's near his uh, expiration date as a helpful NBA rotation player in the playoffs. So it's, I, I think looking at the postseason and the Sixers are very serious about their title contention this year, as they should be, I think Hell's that Hill is a, a really helpful piece. And uh, the fact that they didn't give up really any significant future assets uh, speaks to this being a good deal for Philadelphia. No, yeah. I, 
I mean, I'm not going to disagree with anything you said. Like, it was a good move by the Sixers. I tweeted out the night before that I'm going to be emotionally attached to Tony Bradley because you get that with players on the teams you really like. And even, but it makes total sense to make the move. And like you, like you said, Tony Bradley wouldn't have been in the rotation in the playoffs. I mean, the only way he would have been is, is if Dwight Howard was hurt or if Joel Embiid was hurt. And if Joel Embiid can't play in the playoffs, I don't care if the Sixers had traded – a 2045 second round pick for Kyle Lowry straight up. They weren't winning anything. Yeah. They, they need Joel. So people can say like, Oh, what you need the emergency. Joel gets hurt. Like, what are you going to do? Like you're going to lose if Joel's hurt. More important is that we now have more, more than like one guard off the bench. You can dribble. Exactly. Yeah. And it gives, obviously Maxi can and Maxi, man, Maxi and Thibel just have found a way to survive two very frantic trade scenarios now in the course of one season. So kudos to them on that. Like, and we talked about it before though. Maxi, like Maxi is the whole thing. It's, it's a development. It's not going to be this year. It's very hard to not be bad when you're a small guard as a, <laughs> who has not reached the age of 21 yet. So it's going to take some time. But until then they now have, I mean, they have the five starters shape and then probably the first five guys off the bench in the playoffs, probably the five guys who I think like, I mean, you could cut the rotation to nine. We, we don't have to get into that, but like the five guys off the bench would be like Shake Milton, George Hill, Matisse Thibel, Furkan Korkmaz, Dwight Howard, and you could probably say like 11th guy, Mike Scott. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it shakes out. So if it, if it goes to nine in the postseason, then it's probably Korkmaz getting yeah. thrown off that list. And then I would say just the huge, because I'll say this that, like George Hill and Dwight Howard are six and seven, like they're gonna play, and then Shake's probably eight, and then nine. Uh, you like, need Matisse for yeah. It's things I'm just saying with Matisse is I could I would like ninety percent like yes Matisse would obviously get over Furkan. I would just say I could at least see a scenario where a playoff team if Matisse goes into a horrid cold stretch, and like teams are giving him the Tony Allen treatment where they're just not guarding him. I could see like him getting benched and like them trying to th- throw Furk on in just to give the offense a little bit of spacing. Like I'm not, again, I'm not saying that would happen. I'm just saying you could tell me that scenario. Someone from the future could come and tell me that, and I would believe it. Sure. Yeah. It, it's not out of the question that oh, we're, we're, our offense is a little stagnant. Let's throw let's throw Korkmaz in there to like get some quick shots up and give us a little different look than what we have out there. That's yeah. I mean. That's certainly a possibility. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think Matisse is going to be in that kind of situation. He's he's looked really good lately and a willing and able shooter. Um, so I don't. That would that would require some regression on his part. Um, I don't. I don't think that's going to be the case. But yeah, I mean, that's that's why you have those guys at the end of your bench to give you a different option if you need it. And that's on the head coach to recognize those situations and act accordingly. And and I think that's probably something that people didn't like about Brett Brown's tenure was he didn't often change up his rotations uh, if if something wasn't working in the short term. Um, So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's probably, that's probably the bench we're looking at in the postseason is, you know, Hill and Dwight and then Shake and I'd say Thibel with, with Quirk Moss and Scott as the two 
you know, deep bench guys that the two the two guys if you just like for some reason need someone to hit a three and the guys you're playing aren't giving you that, they might be able to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it all makes sense. Um man, I you know what's weird is we did that whole weirdness power rankings last week. George Hill, like much like Tony Bradley was near the bottom, George Hill might be like last in the rotation. <laughs> George Hill He's- is very normal. It's a very normal name, very normal player. The the weirdest th- the weirdest things of his career would be the bleached hair phase um, with the Pacers, if you remember that. Yeah, the, he misses the free throw that, but gets bailed out historically because J.R. Smith gets the rebound and forgets what the score is and dribbles at the clock of game one. And I, other than that, like he played a little bit with the Kings. That was weird. <laughs> that that's weird because he played for the team that. Well, it was like a contract <laughs> made no sense. It was more the Kings' fault. They signed him. It was weird what they did. But like again, George Hill's like a very normal. Like just, oh yeah, he's like he's a guard. He can shoot. He can occasionally do some stuff for you, like off the dribble on offense. Don't want to rely on him too much. He's getting up there in age. Like yeah, George Hill's normal. And it's, yeah, I, I was gonna bring this up because I know you're. A, a big fan of the the wacky nicknames on Basketball Reference, George. But George Hill is so normcore; he does not have a single wacky nickname. <laughs> he is simply George Hill. <laughs> I mean, you could call him G Hill. I, I don't know. And, and his Twitter is George underscore Hill three. And his well, he, I mean, he, he 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 hasn't worn any number except three that. his entire career. You're coming at me with that one because I I am Dan underscore Olinger on Twitter, so you know. No, I'm just saying there's nothing there's nothing out of the ordinary with George okay, Hill. He's one. as straight straight laced I mean, as they get. He his college was IUPUI, so like that's weird. There's it's many- weird. It, it is weird that he went to high school in Indianapolis, went to IUPUI for college, and then was drafted by the Pacers. That was weird. Wait no, he was drafted by the Spurs, and then the, he, oh, like, sorry. he was. Because remember, he was the Kawhi, and, and then went. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, you're right. Uh, and then, guess, but then he went. It was the homecoming when he went yeah. to the Pacers in the Kawhi deal, right? Maybe not more weird than George Hill's had an unfortunate career at some points. Like obviously, he's won a lot of games, but like some unfortunate turns and events for him throughout his career might make sense. Yeah, I, I think your your first instinct was right that George Hill might be the most normal player in the league he only he only played in Sacramento three years he started the 2018 season in Sacramento and played 43 games for them and also and like shot what is it he shot 45 percent from three in 43 games for the Kings like that's what he does he's a good player (laughs) what are the chances the Kings just like burned some of those tapes just like there's some king season. I don't know if that one was particularly bad, but it's just like that all the footage is lost. You know, during the uh the Vladi Divac years, there's there's nothing you could tell me about what went down with the Kings that I, I wouldn't believe. I Any mean, ev- everything and anything is on the table during during that tenure. They were sitting on Harrison Barnes today and didn't move him. And like, even though this is probably the peak of his value when he's having a great season and there are definitely teams going to trade for him. Your team is not good now. He does not fit your timeline. Really the only three Kings players who should have been untouchable were uh, De'Aaron Fox, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, and maybe Rashawn Holmes. Um, well, Holmes is a unrestricted free agent. 
Yeah, I cannot. I can at least see though why they like don't want to trade him because I mean Rashawn's really good and he's not that old. Like you can play him with the future, but like I thought maybe they'd look and see if they can move Buddy Heald or see if they can move Marvin Bagley. Like they they they, they did they did try to move Marvin Bagley for Sadiq Bay and Detroit rightfully laughed in their face. Big win for Villanova guys staying to stay <laughs> home. Like Kyle Lowry's still in Toronto, Sadiq Bay still in. So Josh Hart still with New Orleans. It's a good time to be a Wildcat, isn't it? For at least for Villanova Wildcat. Absolutely, um, it usually is. They they just churn out NBA quality guards and wings. That's what they do. Exactly. So, do we think the Sixers, though, as good as George Hill is as an upgrade? Like, we very much appreciate the Daryl Morey making moves to go get him. I mean. Do you think this makes them – would you pick them over a series in the Raptors? Ne- uh, Raptors. <laughs> Mind on the Raptors. No, I wouldn't. Toronto <laughs> scares me. <laughs> pick them in a series against the Nets in, like, the Eastern Conference Finals. Because if you, you had told me they had gotten Kyle Lowry, I would have said – mate. I mean, I don't know what I would have said. I would have had to think about it a lot. Now I would say I'm still picking the Nets. Still probably picking the Nets if if both teams are healthy. Mm-hmm. with obviously that caveat um i think it, it it certainly helps because not only is he a good player but he's a guy you can throw on harden or Kyrie, and and well, obviously they're better they're better players but it's like okay well at least i would, I would be worried of throwing him on harden just because of the size difference like i mean harden just i just worry about if harden gets your his shoulder past you what well, how many problems you're going to have and then Kyrie, it's the foot speed issue like I, yeah, of course. They're you could definitely throw George Hill on Joe Harris. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they're they're elite players. It's there's not a handful of guys in the league that they they don't have the advantage over. But I, I'm just saying, Hill gives you another option where you're not covering your eyes with your hands if he's on them in a in a postseason series for you know ten to twelve minutes a game when you have to give. Mm-hmm. Ben and Matisse aren't aren't out there, aren't both out there. Um, which, you know, you just don't have a lot of d- defensive wings on this roster. Um, and Hill is another guy that, you know, he's he's not in his prime, but he's still a very good defender who knows what he's doing out there. So, just have him, Matisse, and ben, him and Matisse the long arms game and throw Shake out there sometimes too. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, it it helps. So, I think it moves the needle slightly uh but i still i still think the offensive firepower that brooklyn would have full strength is you know a generational arrangement of talent so it's mm-hmm. hard for me to pick against that but uh you know every bit helps and that's why that's why in a seven game series maybe the sixers depth comes into play cuz brooklyn you know, i'm like the Blake not, Griffin signing, I'm not I'm at best lukewarm on it, and their roster is not that deep now that they've accrued this top tier talent. So I don't know. Well, the thing with the Nets is that they just they've gotten so many breaks because the Pistons making that really bad trade where they took on Zan and Musa and gave them Bruce Brown. He's like their fifth best player now. And then additionally, last year's second round pick Nick Claxton, who I liked a lot coming out of Georgia. Nick Claxton is good, dude. He was. They played the Blazers. He was switching on to CJ McCollum, and CJ had 
no move he could throw at him that was getting Claxton off of him. Just no separation, no meaningful distance to get a good shot off. That dude has some long arms and can move for a big guy. Like, obviously, it's not like guarding Embiid probably because he's just probably too thin for that. But just that's a weapon out there. Like, say the Sixers try and go to a Tobias Harris pick and roll late and just get a switch. And I could see Claxton could probably switch onto Harris and do a pretty good job. Like, the Nets... I, the Nets, man, the Nets are really good. It's really hard. To <laughs> they look <laughs> they, great now, and they haven't had Kevin Durant in nearly two months. Yeah, they, they've been winning a lot of games without arguably the best player of the past few years pre-injury and a guy that looked like he was at 95% of what he was before his injury when he's been on the court this season. So, yeah, they're, they're good. Um, and I, I, I think we both would take them over the Sixers in a – seven game series, but you know, you never know. And I think uh, Daryl improved the roster today. So that's, that's all you can really ask. Um, you know, the Lowry situation, I think Toronto was just asking way too much. So I'm yeah, glad so he, I'm I mean, glad I he held, held, held Pat and didn't concede to everything they, they wanted. Yeah. So I wanted to touch on that before we move on from the La- the Lowry non-deal. So like we said, it was supposed like two first-round picks, Matisse Thibel and Tyrese Maxey. And we both seem to be of the opinion that that is too much. And I'm guessing the piece that us and most Sixers fans were feeling is that, you know, we're willing to give up the picks. Like if you're trading for a quote-unquote star, even an aging star like Lowry, you kind of have to give up those picks so the other team has that future asset to build on. And a young guy like Maxey made a lot of sense as – He's probably going to be really good one day. He's just not great now. So that made sense. Matisse is kind of old for a second-year guy, and his val- he has value to the team now. It seemed like Matisse Thibel was the big one, like just Daryl's like, dude, he probably went to Messiah and said, dude, we're- I still don't know if we're good enough to then beat the Nets if we don't have Matisse, even if we have Lowry. Agreed. I, I-, I think – he much like Tyler Hero was the the crux of a deal getting done for Miami. I think Thibel was the the similar piece in any potential Toronto Philadelphia deal. Um, yeah, Matisse just brings too much to the table right now. He's an all league defender. If he could yeah. play more offense, yeah. As yeah, you know, I, I think last on last last week's pod, I called him the defensive player of the year per thirty six minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's a guy you absolutely need in your rotation in a postseason series. He can guard a variety of positions. He's elite. Like, he's an elite defender. There's no other way to say it. Um, and you need those guys when you're against Brooklyn. Obviously, they have, you know, all the guys we just talked about. But even in earlier series, if you go up against a Boston, if you go up against Milwaukee, they have a lot of long guard wing types that we're going to have to deal with mm-hmm. like any playoff team has a f- at least a f- couple of these guys and if you're trading Matisse away and you would have had to trade Danny Green away to make the, the salaries work then what are you starting as at the wings like you're, you're they'd be so like absent of wing defenders it'd be like Ben and nobody else and I guess Lowry would kind of assume the Ben guarding their best guard responsibility and Ben could guard a wing, but then you really don't have anything behind them. 
So we kind of like it when Ben can take on guards because he's really good at that. It, we love that he just swallows them up with his size. Yeah. So it, it just it it wouldn't it would obviously be an upgrade, but it would just you wouldn't have enough pieces. Like you're giving up Danny and Matisse, who would be two guys for one guy in your playoff rotation. It, it just doesn't work in the present. Plus, you're giving up those those future assets. Um. It, it was just too much. I don't, I can't, I can't believe that Toronto seriously thought the Sixers would do that. And then that was truly their sticking point where they didn't want to then make a deal. They weren't willing to come down from that at all. It's kind of weird. I follow a bunch of Raptors fans and like analysts on Twitter and they were mostly saying, you know, we'll take Tyrese Maxey and picks. They didn't, they felt like the, the Raptors themselves were a little too stingy on, you know, Matisse has to be in this, like, and I mean, yeah, that, it was part of the, like, dream of, like, the Lowry deal is the Sixers go to a crunch time five of Kyle Lowry, Matisse, Thibel, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, you know, good luck trying to score. Yeah, I mean, just from Toronto's perspective, they, we touched on it earlier, but they're, they're not playing for anything really this season. They're currently out of the playoff picture. Like, sure, they could you know, I make still, a, make, still, a, make a couple still, games up and get get into the playoff game, and yeah, we'd be terrified to play them in round one. I don't one. want to see them at eight. Like, I still <laughs> don't want to see them at eight. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but you know, realistically, they're not they're not doing anything in the playoffs this season. So why wouldn't you want to get a a guy like Maxi, who is still young, has has flashed tremendous potential? Like we've talked a lot about how inconsistent he's been and it's his rookie year and it's all to be expected. Uh, but we saw the ceiling, like he scored, what was it? 37. I forget exactly. 30. Yeah. 39. Uh, yeah. He scored 39 in an NBA game as a rookie. Like not many guys can do that. And, you know, he's still young. He was only had the, the year at college and I, why wouldn't you want that guy for a guy, for, for a guy in Larry who, yeah, he was your your franchise cornerstone and helped win you a title, but you were sending him home. He was cool with it. Like, I don't know. It seemed like it. there, there, there was something to be done. Uh, I feel like you there was seem, a middle you ground. Seem, you seem pretty <laughs> annoyed with Masai Ujiri right now. Yeah, and, and again, like, I'm I'm kind of – I was okay with Lowry not coming here, really. Like, I, I, I felt like – a couple moves around the edges, like the George Hill deal, and I came away happy about the trade. The trade deadline, um, I feel like keeping Danny helps. Like I feel like people were underrating what Danny brings to the table, and and, and losing him is is that like, you like just specifically trying to throw shade at my article today? To <laughs> his slow feet. <laughs> I mean, he's been doing it for the past month. It's been bad that Danny Green on ball like just gets beat and it, like against the Bucks it forced a bunch of weird rotations where he couldn't keep Drew Holiday in front of him. But then, I mean, I know Jordan Poole's quick, but my goodness, Jordan Poole was dusting him in Golden State. Yeah, I, Danny Green's not a perfect player, <laughs> but yeah. he do, he does a lot to help you. Um, so you know, I was all right with Lowry not coming here, but for for it seemed like the Sixers like had a, a reasonable offer on the table, like they were still. They, they put a final offer out there. They were still conversing as of 255. So I, I'd have to think it would have been Maxi and something. Like, and if you're Toronto, why wouldn't, why wouldn't Maxi and something be enticing to you if 
this season you're not playing for anything. I don't know. It's just really weird. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, but I, I think we should just move on just because there are other trades to talk about. Not that the Sixers had. And at some point, like you said, it's just it just boils down to differences in how much Kyle Lowry should be worth. The Raptors think he's good enough to deserve all of those assets from the Sixers. We think that diminishes the return value of Kyle Lowry and that what are you trading to him into? It's like they turn into the 2019 Sixers again. Like, killer starting five. The bench is a disaster. Like, we don't need to see that again. Yeah, we, you know, we've come a long way in a few years and fleshed out the bench. And um, I'm glad we're not, we're not back in the old days, yeah. <laughs> to be sure. I did want to mention this. Like, we're, we obviously, like, the previous front office is killed for many fair reasons. I do want to point out that under Elton Brand, they did draft now Shake Milton and Matisse Thibel who both, I mean, have outperformed their draft slot, it seems, and are both, like, Shake, obviously. I mean, 55th pick, you're just hoping, can he even be in the rotation? And Shake Milton was very early getting some six-man-of-the-year buzz. Obviously not going to get it now, but, like, still a very good guard off the bench. And Matisse Thibel, who now was the, the, the determining factor in a trade negotiation for a, a former seven-time All-Star and NBA champion, like, that's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I think the the draft evaluation under the Colangelo and then under Brand, but still a lot of the same Colangelo guys in the front office, the draft evaluation, aside from the big Fultz miss, of course, is, I, I just want to say say that so that like people saying, don't... That's like saying Voldemort's name. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, I had to mention it because otherwise people would kill us for... Like, oh, he thought his drafting was great. Um, what about that that Fultz Technically, the Fultz thing was through a trade, so maybe it was just trades were the bad part. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's what I was going to say, that, you know, the, the trades, it, feel, it felt like people thought they overpaid in trades. That was one kind of knock against the regime. And then the other was just the little stuff like, oh, hey, we really like Matisse Thibel, and now everybody knows it, and we have to give up a good second-round pick to move up a couple slots and get our guy because we weren't able to utilize any amount of subterfuge to smokescreen and keep Boston and everyone in the league off the scent that we liked Matisse. Um, so it was a little stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, the and I guess it kind of fits the same subterfuge team, like, hey, we really want Tobias Harris, and the Clippers know it, so now they're going to extract every possible bit of value out of this deal. Uh, that that was the kind of stuff people hated about the the, the prior regime um, before Daryl got here. Uh, yeah, I think, by and large, they did a pretty good job mining value in the, the late first and second round. Yeah, considering that we're going now into trade deadlines past, we should probably move on to just taking a look at the other deals that were made around the league. Uh, we're about at 40 minutes here in this pod. So I think maybe the best way to do this is like not maybe necessarily rapid fire, but like quick 
quick like thoughts on each of these trades and I'll try and go through like how relevant they might be to the Sixers in some way. So I think the place to start is one, maybe the last deal that was like one of the at the buzzer deals was Victor Oladipo getting moved to the Miami Heat for Kelly Olynyk, Avery Bradley in 2022 draft swap rights. So yeah, like Riley's good at this. <laughs> well, the thing is that Oladipo, it was starting to become a joke. I think Nikaias Duncan tweeted it that like, there's a reason Oladipo's name didn't get mentioned all day. Is that it was the NBA, the rest of the NBA's way of saying, dude, like we don't think you really have it anymore. And I would still say it's not like a huge deal that they got him, but I mean, Kelly Olynyk was like, Kelly Olynyk's a fine player. I, he's not as good as Victor Oladipo even now. Avery Bradley wasn't doing much for them. Swap rights, you know, you can haggle over that. It seems like good business for the Heat. Like, and obviously, like, for the Rockets, like, now, now I mean, just to say that Tillman Fertitta and the Rockets have, have got clowned today might be an understatement because everyone is now doing that, like, connect the dots of, okay, so here's what they netted from the James Harden trade, which is all those picks and basically nothing else. <laughs> so... Like when instead of just going for either Ben Simmons or, you know, Karis LeVert and Jared Allen, who they could have gotten from the Nets. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> it, it's essentially some late firsts and some swaps. So now you're, you're just <laughs> praying that like the Nets, like Kyrie, Durant, and Harden, like win four straight by tw- 2024 and decide, you know, reti- they've moved on to something else. They all retire at the same time and then the Nets are done. Like that's like your hope at this point. Yeah, that's the only possible exit clause for this not being a total embarrassment from Houston's perspective. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, we don't need to talk too much about how Houston yeah. <laughs> did a terrible job with extracting value from Harden. Um, but from Miami's perspective, you know, more more relevant to the Sixers, you know, we expect to see Miami in the postseason again. They've after a slow start this year, they've gotten a little healthier, and there's a very good chance we're heading towards a Philly Miami second round series. Yep, exactly. Yeah. They're right in that. I think they're tied for fifth in the East right now. If that's the case, Holy crap. (laughs) It's scary. Um, Because the Jimmy Butler, everything surrounding that, and they have all the shooters, which is something that often gives the Sixers trouble because as it's been well documented, the Sixers are not a high volume three point shooting team. And a lot of times when they go up against teams that are uh, mathematics enters the equation and three is greater than two and Sixers can play well. And just because this other team hits eight more threes, that can sometimes be the difference. So I could see a situation where that plays out in a series with Miami. Um, Bam is a great defender. One, one of the few guys who is not going to stop Joel Embiid, but can hold his own to the degree that, Joel is not going to, you know, steamroll him and score I, I actually, 35 with ease, with ease every night. I would actually be more even concerned, with, like, offensively. Like, if you're talking about the few guys who can occasionally give Joel problems, I think it is more more athletic guys with, like, bounce. Like, Bam, who is really not – like, a big plotter is kind of playing into Embiid's hands. So, just a guy like Bam whose whole thing is – he has a little bit of a mid-range pull-up. He is a fantastic passer who works great with his guards. And he is a great lob finisher because that dude explodes off the ground quickly. Like, 
I, I can see like just there's just a lot of things that are scary about them. Victor Oladipo in Houston was probably taking too many shots, but you know that team after Christian Wood got hurt, like it wasn't like there was a ton of great things going on. So it's hard to see like maybe Victor Oladipo now in a situation he wants to be in with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and this very well put together team scales it back kind of realizes okay I'm like second side creation guy you know if guys help shade off of me towards Jimmy I can get a create often of advantage and he still like can kind of create down he can just like he's athletic enough to get downhill enough of a good enough of a shooter to like just threaten teams and then defensively I don't think you're gonna pick on him in any sense so yeah like it's just like a good bit of business from the heat and additionally with LaMarcus Aldridge being bought up by the Spurs as they were unable to find a trade partner, the it seems like he's heading towards Miami, who LaMarcus has been worse than Oladipo at this point. Lamar, LaMarcus can't move his feet anymore on defense. But, again, like, if he's just asked to be, like, come off the bench and get buckets, like, I could see a series where, say, the Heat just go to their bench lines against the Sixers and they're telling LaMarcus when he's being guarded by Dwight, like, hey, dude, he's going to leave you open on pick and pops. You can do this. Yeah, absolutely. Something to be worried about. Um, yeah, Aldridge would just have to fill that Olenek stretch big role for them, which, as you said, he's you know getting up there and not the, nearly the player he once was, but I think he can still do that. And uh, as far as Oladipo goes, yeah, playing alongside a Butler will get him a lot better opportunities. Um, and also, it just it's him instead of like the Kendrick Nunn possessions or take mm-hmm. a handful of Tyler Hero possessions away and, and goes to Old Depot instead. So so that's an that's an upgrade for when your your top guys like Butler aren't initiating possession. Um it's just great to have that as like a tertiary option now if you're the Heat. Uh yeah, it's and they didn't really give up much. It's I'm not sure how Houston didn't call around and get a better deal than that Uh, i I guess oladipo's value was just so low i don't know i don't think the mistake was made today i think the mistake was made during the james harden trade when they took him over karis levert yeah i mean if you could have levert and jared allen instead of oladipo on an expiring you do that every time i wasn't sure what houston was thinking then i i guess they they probably were thinking that oladipo's trade value was higher than those guys and they could flip him for something better and that gamble did not pay off at all <laughs> no it did not so uh but moving on to some happier news in terms of like how the Sixers prospects go um the Celtics were made some curious decisions today <laughs> they trade for Evan Fournier basically uh, uh, I mean it's first announced that like they're giving him two second round picks for Fournier which is you know Fournier's not maybe a needle mover, but he's fine. Fournier's good. He's given the Sixers problems before. Shoots off, can shoot off of movement, shoots off the dribble, create a little bit, like solid player. But then again, it's announced very late that they are trading Daniel Tice for Mo Wagner after he had been redirected from the Wizards to the Bulls, which, um, <laughs> so the reasoning, I'm going to shout out again, I was on the, I hopped on the Gastro Blues locker room pod today just for a little bit, and I mentioned this during that, but I'm going to mention it again. What's one guy in the group chat, and Trevor Williams Marks, who's a great follow on Twitter, is a Celtics fan, quickly pointed out that the Celtics are making this move to get under the tax. Which, ah. 
I mean, sure. I understand why. I think what it indicates is the Celtics are very much like, this isn't our year. This is – because, like, dude, Daniel Tice is good. That that dude is a very good player. Ex- excellent screener, such a smart – his little rescreens that – I mean, people say Marcin Gortat originated it. Daniel Tice has perfected it. He's so good at that. It provides all those driving lanes. He can hit threes if needed to. I mean – Heck, his last shot of his entire Boston career is that three open three versus the Bucks that just barely missed. He's he's very very like just annoying defensively. He can switch on the guys. He can finish lobs. Not a bad decision maker. Like, and then you give him for Mo Wagner, who like this Joel Embiid's last game was against the Wizards before the injury. He was killing Mo Wagner because Wagner kept overplaying his right his right side too much, and Joel just like bulldozed him to the left. Like Wagner. I was texting with my actually one of my best friends who is a another diehard Celtics fan, and he was saying that we were basically discussing that he is going to lose it if Wagner gets any minutes over Time Lord, which I can't blame him. <laughs> so just and then also in the deal, Javante Green goes out to the Bulls. Not a huge deal, but he was getting some minutes for them occasionally. Like it's just another potential option that's gone. Jeff Teague, who they shouldn't have signed him probably for the money they did in the offseason, but still had been playing a little bit better lately, and at least you could put him on the court, get sent to the Magic, and has now been bought, being waived. Like, they're just punting on this. Yeah, I I don't know. I, li- I like the Fournier deal. I mean, yeah, they... The Fournier part's fine. And st- it's not like the Celtics... I still think the Celtics are going to make the playoffs. <laughs> I still think they're solid. It's just... I don't think... Like, it was already looking pretty shaky. Like, this team isn't what they were last year. Now it really doesn't look like it. Yeah, um, I mean, they got Fournier for basically nothing because they had the the TPE they could fit him in to trade player exception. Um, so Orlando didn't really ask them for too much in return because they didn't have to take on any unwanted contracts or mm-hmm. clear any roster spots or anything. So Boston got kind of a discount. So the Fournier deal was a good bit of business. Like he's a helpful player and. Uh, a guy I think some Sixers fans were hoping would come to Philadelphia. Um, so that yeah. was all fine. Shout out Steve Lipman. Yeah, he wrote, a, wrote an article about it. Uh, yeah, the the <laughs> I, I know they've been going to Time Lord more, and they should. I think he's been really helpful for them, um, gives them some things they, they need as far as verticality and energy defensively. Uh, but yeah, Tice is still a good player who you've seen in the postseason before and he he works in that environment uh as you mentioned his switchability ability to stretch the floor those are all things that are really useful in a, in a playoff atmosphere uh like why just i guess to save money i, I had no idea I, I i hadn't heard that that was just a luxury tax move that's pretty awful from boss's perspective and yeah that shows your punting on things or kind of uh, so that's that's not great. I wouldn't be too pleased about that if I was a Boston fan. It's I will say here would be my one defense for it if from the Celtics point of view. Time Lord had not been playing as much as Celtics fans wanted him to, especially like behind Tristan Thompson. They were fine with Daniel Tice, but like Tristan Thompson just is not better than him at this point. And by getting rid of Daniel Tice, it's almost like in Moneyball where they trade the first baseman, so he has to play Hatterberg. <laughs> like so basically it's telling brad stevens in a way like 
by making the only other option if Tristan Thompson's hurt the only other option is Mo Wagner he's like well I guess it's it's time for the Time Lord which you know I guess maybe he really is as good as you I mean I really do like that guy he like you said he can get up well but that dude can pass too I I just think he's gonna be pretty good so I maybe that would be the only way I could say but still like you're just the net value of the deal Daniel Tice is better than Mo Wagner will ever be. So in in that sense, it's just a loss of value. Which in, in your in your analogy is Jalen Brown then Mark Mulder, who plays a, a huge part in the team's success, but doesn't get uh, cr- as much credit in the it, it doesn't even get mentioned in the movie because it doesn't fit the Moneyball narrative. Sure. <laughs> um, Did I, I, I went too deep in Moneyball for you Yeah, dude, I just like the movie I don't love baseball <laughs> um, Moving on to the other, other teams that are involved We should probably talk about them The Magic basically decided you know, this is, they, they probably made the move we've all been asking to them make for a while They blew it up They, like we said, traded Fournier Traded Aaron Gordon to the Denver Nuggets For Gary Harris, RJ Hampton And a first round pick Which is in 2025 According to Zach Lowe, that pick is top five protected in 2025, 2026, and 2027. So, and then also on top of that, Nikola Vucevic and Al Farouk Amino go to the Bulls for Otto Porter Jr., Wendell Carter Jr., and two future first round picks. Everything's gone in Magic, like you, in Magic Land, like you said. Terrence Ross is he's the designated survivor. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess they they still have the, all the guys on injury, like. I mean, Jonathan, Jonathan Isaac is awesome. He's just injured. Yeah, and, so that, that's and, what they're doing. They're, they're building around Isaac and Fultz. I was going to say the point who should not be named is also pretty good as long as he comes back from injury, okay? Exactly. So they're, they're building around those two and basically getting as much draft capital as they can and, and hoping that, you know, by bottoming out this year, they'll end up with a good pick. They'll be in the, the Cade sweepstakes and uh, just kind of move forward with that as their their young core. Um, so I, I guess that's at least a plan that they've been derided a bit in past years because they were on that uh, the Sixers Memorial uh, treadmill mediocrity, like always right right on the eight seed and not a real clear path for how they would get better than that. Um, so at least they're doing something different, I guess. Exactly, and I'll, I'll say that. The Bulls, like, I mean, I like what the Bulls did today to sign, like, you know, instead of just trying to reset things, they're like, we think we can get a little bit better and kind of start to make real progress. I mean, they kept, keep Laurie Markinen around. Obviously, Wendell Carter gone. They have such a – that front court rotation now is Laurie, Thad Young, Nikola Vucevic, Daniel Tice. They managed to steal Troy Brown Jr. from the Wizards, who – I mean, they give up Daniel Gafford in that, too, is very, who I still think is good, but obviously they have enough big guys now. And I think Troy Brown Jr. is someone I've always liked this passing a lot. And I think that if you, you can run some things for him, just getting a wing in there, like – and then obviously still have Zach Levine. You still have good players in, like, Thomas Sadoransky. I'm not a big Kobe White fan, but I, it's not the worst. Like, they could get, like, another wing in there somehow. Like, I, the Bulls could be on to something here. <laughs> yeah, it's I, – um, Jason Pat, who my old editor at uh, FanRag Sports and covers the Chicago Bulls, he tweeted out, essentially they're saying, all right, we think Levine 
is that guy now. And we're going to do everything we can to at least give him the opportunity with a supporting cast to show that he's not a good stats, bad team guy, that he's actually just a really good player. Um, so you give him Vucevic, who's an incredible pick and pop weapon um, that they can run a two-man game with. And you give him some, you know, other guys to space the floor and just a, a really solid professional team. And you just hope that he continues to grow and that you really have something there. Um, and if, if you're Chicago, if y- your your other path was to like trade Levine and, and completely blow things up. And I just don't think they wanted to do that because he's still pretty young and just made the all-star team. Like what, that's the kind of guy, if you're, trying to tell your franchise or your, your fan base that you're finally ready to ascend again. That's the kind of guy you want to keep around. So give him, give him some weapons and give him every chance to succeed. And by, you know, going and getting a, a, another current all-star um, they, they've done that. It's, I think it's a good bit of business by Chicago. And then the other magic players dealt Aaron Gordon to Denver for, as we said earlier, in exchange for Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and Pick, uh, I I had long said that it was probably between Denver and Utah to see who could get Aaron Gordon, because just because he fills a need for both of them. Like, dude, the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets are going to be really good. I I just like they needed some kind of wing defense so much, but their offense. Just watching Joker the other day, that oh my, like he's. With Embiid being out these last few games, Joker's my MVP vote right now. Obviously, I do not actually have one because I am 20. <laughs> but um, yo, we gotta get, we gotta get our cloud up. Can't, yeah. can't, can't get that MVP vote. But yeah, Jokic would be my MVP right now, and just and he he is the odds-on favorite now, right? Correct. Again, like you said, like it's obviously not the same as Zach Levine. The Nuggets know he's a star, but it's like, hey, you have a guy. It's why we wanted the Sixers to trade for Kyle Lowry in a sense. It's like. You have a guy who's playing out of his mind right now. Maybe see how much it takes to go forward. And, like, with the Lakers slipping behind in the standings with LeBron out and Anthony Davis out of injury, the Clippers seem like a mess right now and also made the maybe the dumbest trade of the day. Giving extra compensation in a Lou Williams-Rajon Rondo swap, which... <laughs> no, I don't think anyone understood that. No, I, th- I don't even think the Hawks understood it. Like, the Hawks are just like, oh, this is awesome. Like... <laughs> fantastic but um but uh the only good thing to come from that deal um was all the lou williams magic city graphics and stuff exactly but um no i i think the nuggets are going to be very good just having that i mean he's basically like they needed someone to fill the jeremy grant void of that wing defender and aaron gordon can do that he's also got i mean jeremy grant Obviously, the Jeremy Grant we've seen now has more on-ball capabilities this year, but he didn't last year. And Aaron Gordon, can, you can put the ball in his hands. He can. It's not hasn't had great numbers running the pick and roll, but he can still make decisions out of the short roll. Still can attack a closeout in some ways. Like, there, yeah, he was play, he was playing some backup point guard for Orlando the last few weeks. So he's definitely a guy that can handle the ball and create for others. And this, this definitely pushes them more toward like instead of still very good playoff team to like the I'm not going to be too shocked if the Nuggets 
if the if our if our Sixers made it to NBA Finals, I would not be completely shocked if the Nuggets were their opponents. Still, be surprised, but sure, yeah. I mean, who knows what's going on with Anthony Davis health wise? Um, I, you know, LeBron's hurt right now, but we expect the ankle to be more of a short term thing. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you have to be a little worried if you're a Lakers supporter that. AD's been out for so long and there's not really a clear timetable on that. So that's a question mark. And then, I mean, the Clippers, they, the only significant move they make was universally panned as a bad one. And I think they've been a kind of dysfunctional group, uh, not only this season, but last. Um, well, this season, like, I mean, they just, I think so. A lot of people have pointed it out it's just they just shoot jump shots. They seemingly never get to the rim, and that's great. But like at the end of the day, those shots at the rim really do matter. Like it is nice to get the most of it, the best shots in basketball, the ones at the rim, just occasionally, and they just never get it. Yes, I so I people aren't overwhelmed by the Clippers by any means, and then of course Utah is the other team in the mix. Um, in most people's minds, and we just haven't seen it from them. Like, they've had a terrific regular season, but... Well, now they have Matt Thomas. <laughs> so all <laughs> all the doubts have been erased. Um, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, Denver is is right there with all those with all those teams. And then, I mean, it, it's very wide open in the West. I mean, would it be totally out of the question if Phoenix and, like, Chris Paul with all the the talent they have if suddenly they were like a dark horse team like phoenix was a team like there were some some small like floatings out there that the phoenix suns might even consider larry nance jr which if they if they could have gotten him like made a move like that i would have said yeah i think the suns are a pretty big contender i i still think they're one piece away i've been watching some of them recently and my main takeaway for them is i love so much what they're doing i deandre ayton concerns me he is not he just they're better whenever they put Dario Saric on the court for a reason. Like, I, which again, this is not a Suns podcast. I do not know enough or watch enough of the Suns to be quote unquote an expert on them. I will say that I am, that would be like, I'm a little conservative DeAndre Aiden and they could probably use another piece, but the Suns are very good still. Yeah. But uh, to just to your point, yeah, Denver's right there in that group and they got better today. So yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't shock anyone if they were the team to emerge from uh, what's rapidly becoming a crowded Western Conference. Well, Sean, that is going to do it for us today. The Sixers again, Tony Bradley on the outs, George Hill now in Philadelphia, Kyle Lowry against all odds stays in Toronto, Villanova in the Sweet 16, the Big Ten failed, the Pac-12 rules all. If you're into March Madness, I, I'm enjoying it, but whatever. March Madness still going. Trade deadline is over. And now we have the Sixers-Lakers tonight, which would be a bizarre game. I think the Sixers will still win, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, they have one All-Star and one guy who yelled at the Knicks that he was an All-Star. So that's that's more than the Lakers have tonight. So, yeah, I feel good about that. Even without um, MVP Tony Bradley, who – two points on Tony Bradley before we, we, we go – one, did you see Joel's tweet? Um, he quote tweeted his his prior tweet about the team should build around Tony Bradley and said that uh, you better do it, Oklahoma City. You got a good one. 
<laughs> oh, I love Joel. Joe, he he truly is the best. Um, yeah, I hope I hope uh, the Thunder give him a shot, and 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 do see what he has. Uh, I I loved Bradley's tenure here, um, and also Tony Bradley in his final game as a Sixer was the bell ringer. So well deserved, Tony. You will always have a bell ringer award to remember your time here in Philadelphia fondly. Don't, don't him and Dakota Th- Mathias both have one, but Seth Curry doesn't. Seth is the last remaining starter. Danny Green got one two games ago. So Seth is the last remaining starter to not have a bell ringer. So he'll have to get that by the end of the season. He better. But <laughs> it's, it is the true worth of a Sixers player, the true worth of a man, when we're, if we're honestly talking about it. But yeah. It, <laughs> that so is con- oh, what were you going to say, Sean? I was just going to say, so congrats to Tony and uh, best of luck in the future. All good, and we will talk to you all next week. See you later, Sean. Take it easy.